Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thirty-five years before Barack Obama's election as president, the question of race and the possibility of bridging racial and ethnic barriers was put to a test in an overlooked and untold story in an American city. In 1973, Tom Bradley, the first African-American mayor of a major U.S. city with an overwhelmingly white population, was elected. Tom Bradley was an extraordinary politician who redefined and reconfigured Los Angeles, he was mayor for an unprecedented 20 years, city councilman for 10 years, and served as a police officer for 21 years. Truly a remarkable man. He opened the city hall uh, com- and commission positions to women and minorities and created the first ever profitable Olympic Games. Uh, Tom Bradley was an extraordinary politician, and we are joined today by the director and writer, that would be Lynn Goldfarb, and Allison Sotomayor, the writer, researcher, and producer of this wonderful film called Bridging the Divide, Tom Bradley and the Politics of Race. Lynn and Allison, welcome to Film School. Well, let's get right into um, the, I guess the obvious question is, Tom Bradley, what was it that prompted you, sort of put you in a position to do uh, this documentary about him, Bridging the Divide? I'll start with you, Lynn. Sure. Um, well, actually, the you know the story began on the last film that I made, which was called The New Los Angeles. And in producing that, in, in producing and directing that film, which looked at the transformation of LA, for the um, you know into you know through the lens of race, immigration, and labor, we realized that Tom Bradley's story was the key to understanding Los Angeles. And in that film, which Allison worked with me on as well, we only cover like five minutes into Tom Bradley's story. But in doing that, it just you know kept drawing us back, and we realized that his story was a key to understanding Los Angeles, a key to understanding how L.A. changed from being a provincial white conservative city to one of the most diverse, one of the most progressive cities in the world. Allison, talk to us a little about about his career, Tom Bradley, where he came from. We mentioned it in the, in the opening, but tell us a little bit about him from the very beginning um, through uh, his election to mayor. Oh, wow, that's a, well, that's I, that's a loaded a, question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. If you want to narrow that a little bit, but I just, I mean, he's, go ahead. He started, I'll just be kick it off with, uh, he started as a, a an athlete and a, a, a student athlete at uh, UCLA. And from there, and the barriers he sort of broke through there. Um, he actually entered UCLA in the in the late 1930s, and he entered on a track scholarship. Back then, in Los Angeles, the really kind of the one of the only ways that you can get into an institution like UCLA was to play um, in a sport. And so Tom Bradley entered UCLA in the late 1930s in a, as a track scholarship star. And, and he won many of them. But being an athlete, which I think is most interesting about Tom Bradley in his early days, is the fact that, you know, it led him to be very competitive. You know, it led him to, 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 to um, learn the sport, but learn um, through sport. 
he was able to, you know, um, become more tenacious. And I think that kind of was a building block for him as he continued throughout his life. Yeah, and, and he was, uh, I mean, you're talking about the 30s in, in UCLA. Right. There, were, there were very few African Americans even in the university, let alone in the athletic department, right? Very few. Right, right. And in fact, he was one of 55 African Americans at UCLA in, the bo- in a student body of about 7,000. And it's interesting, too, because Jackie Robinson also played football during the same time um, Tom Bradley went to school there at UCLA, so they were classmates as well. Well, UCLA, I mean, you know, I mean, that's not nearly enough African Americans in, in any under any circumstances, but... Jackie Robinson, Tom Bradley, obviously, you know, an important... Right. But despite the fact that there were just a few African-Americans on campus as students, um, you know, certainly, you know, Tom Bradley's role was, as a young, you know, potential leader, was already beginning to develop. You know, he was the president um, of the University Negro Club. And so he was the one in charge, you know, for the African-American student body to really, um, you know, examine prejudices and discrimination, you know, on campus among, you know, all the racial and ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was already a leader at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And from there, it wasn't long after he left UCLA that he became a Los Angeles policeman. Yeah, he actually did um, not graduate from UCLA, decided kind of on a whim that he wanted to move into another career to start a family and make a little bit more money. And a civil service job such as, you know, uh, an LAPD officer um, or even a postman back then were jobs that African-Americans and other minorities could move into and make more money. So he decided on a whim that he wanted to move into the police department, and he did. He um, joined the police department in 1940, but as you know, at that time, the LAPD was, you know, considered or really, um, you know, was, a, was a, a paramilitary force in many aspects where, you know, African-Americans, and other minorities were not allowed to ride in the same patrol cars. And, you know, African-Americans, for example, were really pushed and stationed and assigned to um, the Newton Division in South Central. So they were, you know, very segregated. Um, uh, when you look at the, the total population, they just were segregated. I want to ask Lynn, um, this is a period of time that I, I think Californians and particularly people in Los Angeles, tend to look at themselves as very kind of cosmopolitan, progressive, forward-thinking. But it wasn't all that long ago, and as Allison described, uh, the, the, obviously the, the police, not only were they racially segregated, but the, it, the interaction between the African-American community and the police department was infamous. And I want to point out that during much of this time, we had a police chief by the name of William Parker Lynn, talk to us a little bit about that that back and forth, that that period of time in, in Los Angeles history, the history of the Los Angeles police and the African-American community. You know, the, the, the um, relations between the LAPD and the African-American community were never good. You know, they're the combination of how African-Americans were treated in the community as well as the limitations for African-Americans who, you know, joined the LAPD, and there were very few. You know, one of the things, and William Parker came in at a time, and he 
you know, had this idea of professionalizing the LAPD, but that didn't take into account how you treated the community. And so, you know, we know most about the way that Parker, you know, treated, you know, the African-American community with the Watts riots, you know, which was, you know, the worst riot in post-war America. And it happened in L.A., and it happened as, you know, the result of accumulation of years of police brutality, of years of being ignored, you know, the African-American community being in poverty, but frankly just abuse you know, by the police, and that exploded. And that's where we start our film, yeah. you know, is looking at the Watts riots as part of this whole continuum, as part of this, the entrance into the beginning of, you know, the changes that Tom Bradley brought about. I just want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Lynn Goldfarb and Allison Sotomayor. Uh, the, Lynn is the director and writer, and Allison Mayor, Sotomayor is the writer, researcher, and producer as, of this film, Bridging the Divide, Tom Bradley and the Politics of Race. The first screening is sold out. That's on the 14th. The second screening is on Tuesday, June 16th at 4 p.m. Tickets are still available. That is at the Los Angeles Film Festival. You can go to the Film Festival website, or you can also go to MayorTomBradley.com, and you can find out more about the film and and the screenings and the history behind the film as well. Allison, I'm sorry before I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, no problem. No, I just wanted to add um, to what Lynn said, you know, in terms of, of the connection between Bradley and the LAPD. You know, Bradley ran the Public Information Division um, in the late 50s in the LAPD, and, and that was a huge deal back then because it was the first ever community relations department in really the history of the nation. And it became a model thereafter. And so he was really responsible for meeting um, with community groups, groups um, that was related to, you know, race or racial relations within the community. Um, and, and, of course, um, speaking about the issue of police brutality. He also wrote, you know, a weekly article on the California Eagle about the LAPD which I think really kind of surprised me through my research because I didn't know that he did this. He did write this, and, and it was mainly about, um, you know, how, you know, the citizens of Los Angeles, especially minority communities, can deal positively, you know, with the LAPD. You know, but, 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 but knowing all of this, and, and you're talking about Bradley, and he was an intellectual. He wasn't a, a, a person without an education. You know, he can hold himself up and he could speak very well. He's a handsome tall man. He was very well liked in the community, you know, but even so, even though that he started rising within the LAPD, which back then was unheard of, and he was seen amongst the other, you know, rank-and-file African-American police officers even then as a rising star in the uh, LAPD, you know, he made a number of recommendations, you know, to try to bring both you know, um, white officers and black officers together to work together to Chief Parker, and they were thumbed down, you know. And so he started to get a reputation among the rank and file that he really was a troublemaker. And we do mention that with his own words in the film. Mm -hmm. So although he rose to the rank of lieutenant, which is seriously like the first time an African-American supervised white officers, you know, he tried to advance to captain, and because of his race, William Parker said no. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was. I just wanted to call out William Parker because I mean, I think that the the uh, L.A. police building is still called Parker Center. Am I am I correct in that? 
Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, and again, I mean, it's hard to imagine, as I was saying earlier, you know, California considered pretty cosmopolitan today, but let's, I want to get up to the time when and Tom Bradley decided he wanted to run for, after serving on the city council for 10 years, he decided to make a run for uh, the mayor's office in 1968. This is only about three years after the Watts uprisings or riots, however you want to put it and um and obviously a lot of uh still an open sore for a lot of uh angelinas and um so he decides he's going to take on uh, mayor sam yorty i remember sam yorty and i had there's no love lost between me and sam and i just remember him being and i'm so glad that this this film for a lot of reasons but they get to put a historical perspective and frame around sam yorty i think is a a, a civic duty, uh, and you did a great job with this. So tell us a little bit, um, this is an open one for either one of you, um, uh, a little bit about that first race for mayor of Los Angeles for Tom Bradley. Well, you know, that's one of the things, this is Lynn, that's one of the things that I think most interested me about this story was that Tom Bradley really had the courage and the vision to run for mayor at a time when you would have thought it was impossible an African-American to even to think about running and, and to think about winning. Yeah. And in 1969, it was just on the heels. You know, it's only four years since the Watts riots. The Los Angeles and the nation were in the midst of turmoil over the Vietnam War. You know, there were, um, you know, there were huge demonstrations all over the country. There were riots. There was police brutality. There was the Black Power movement. You know, the whole country really, you know, what was in turmoil during those years. And Tom Bradley decided he should run for mayor because he believed he was the person that could change Los Angeles. But when he ran and, and um, actually won the primary and faced off against Sam Yorty, Sam Yorty realized that he was, you know, fighting for his political life. And Sam Yorty waged one of the most vicious campaigns, you know, certainly in the history of Los Angeles, but, you know, in many ways in the history of the country. And he, you know, he waged a, a campaign of racism and red baiting yeah. against Tom Bradley. And Tom Bradley was no, you know, no way a person that could, you know, that was considered a radical. But Sam Yorty, Mayor Sam Yorty, used these tactics to scare Los Angeles. And he was successful. You know, Sam Yorty just, you know, brought the fear of, you know, um, of who Tom Bradley was and the fear of change, you know, and, um, and won the election. But four years later, you know, Tom Bradley came back and worked for those entire four years to come back and make sure that the people of Los Angeles knew who he was and that he would be the best person for the job and then one in 73 and and lynn does talk about um you know mayor yorty you know spreading fear and uncertainty throughout los angeles to scare especially white neighborhoods and white communities um and and we do talk in several instances in the film and explore 1969 in that way um, where Judge Stephen Reinhardt, who was on the L.A. Police Commission during the tenure of um, Mayor Bradley, you know, talks about how um, African Americans um, would take over City Hall if 
Um, Tom Bradley was elected, you know, mayor of Los Angeles. So that was part of the fear um, and the tactics that, you know, Sam Yorta used in order to win in 69. We also, in the film, um, found a very rare piece of footage, and we were very surprised to have found it and very elated as well. It's um, it's a uh, clip of a police and fire protective league press conference yep. where the president, right, yep. is is you know looking at a chart saying that you know all this police personnel are going to resign, you know, if Tom Bradley if Tom Bradley is elected mayor. So that's that's rather astounding that that was actually you know a press conference and ran on television. I swear to you, if you had. Drop me in the middle of that film. I didn't know anything else about what would happen before. I didn't see anything except that. I would have sworn that was something out of Alabama or Mississippi in the in the in the sixties. Mm-hmm. I would have sworn to you that that was it was disgusting and it's it's hard to imagine. And I, th- you you've you've been you've soft pedal a little bit. These two these two people looked. I mean, there was just a menacing kind of nastiness about the way that they went about talking about it. They had the chart, and they had this kind of veneer of official sort of, uh, uh, you know, authority to it. I guess it was it was disgusting, and I had no... I Again, I lived through this period. I don't remember that specifically. I just remember the this kind of the rumors that Black Panthers were going to be running the city of L.A. as soon as Tom Bradley, you know, was voted in, and all this just craziness, uh, and it's hard to imagine. It's just hard to imagine. I mean, we still certainly have a lot of issues that divide along racial lines in this community, but uh, it's hard to imagine that that was actually Los Angeles not that long ago. Oh, that was awful. Um, well, as you said, Lynn, uh, Tom stuck with it. Uh, he went back to the to really being a, a spokesman for all of Los Angeles, and in '73, he was elected mayor. Overwhelmingly, I might add, in in a period of four years, I think that just everyone had had enough of Tom of Sam Yorty and voted Tom Bradley in in '73. And again, a remarkable part of this film is, you know, seeing him as a just great person that he was. He was, in addition to being a great leader, which I think he was, he just seemed like such an accessible, open person who seemed to his core fair, a fair person. Would that be, Allison, would that be some, uh, what are other characteristics would you, would you ascribe to Tom Bradley? You know, that's a very interesting question because, you know, over the span of the six-year journey that we have been, um, you know, going through and experiencing, Lynn and I, um, in producing and researching and writing for this film, we've interviewed um, about 135 people. That was in in terms of pre-interviews. And for the actual film, we interviewed 50 um, interviews and and out of those fifty, forty of those characters made it into the film, but we had a range of of, of a number of different descriptions of of what kind of a man Tom Bradley was. You know, from the personal to kind of why did he govern the way he governed? I mean, he was a man that led with you know quiet. Yeah. leadership yeah. um you know he had a, um you know a strength of character that so many people pointed out to us the people that we interviewed you know whether it be colleagues family commissioners even critics even critics and journalists you know talk about bradley you know in in in, in a very um you know high respected way yeah. you know he was a man that although he led in a quiet way 
you know, he was a pragmatist. You know, he set his goals and he achieved them. And that's what he did throughout his life. I mean, the number one word I think you can describe um, Tom Bradley is, is really ambition. Mm. You know, and, and that's what he did. You know, throughout his life, he made intentional decisions. He was ambitious. He set his goals and, and he, he achieved them. Yeah, and um, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Lynn Goldfarb, the director, writer, and also Allison Sotomayor, the writer, researcher, and producer of this film, Bridging the Divide, Tom Bradley and the Politics of Race. It's screening at the Los Angeles Film Festival. Uh, it the, the next screening will be Tuesday, June 16th at 4 p.m. Uh, you can also go to MayorTomBradley.com to find out more about the film and about Tom Bradley and his life. And it will also be screening in uh, late in later in the summer on KOCE, uh, August 18th. Uh, there'll be a screening at 8, 8 p.m. for uh, this film, Bridging the Divide. One of the things I would say about Tom Bradley, having lived in Los Angeles during the time he was mayor, um, he struck me as someone who had a, an enormous capacity to be able to absorb a lot of the kind of the anger and the pain and the and and the resentment and all of it. He seemed like the kind of personality that I don't know if he internalized it, but he certainly was able to take it in and still when when he when it was time to do his job as the mayor or as a council member, he was able to process it in a way that it never came out. It never, he never seemed, there are a few yeah. people, I would say, you know, Jackie Robinson comes to mind, someone who really had to take the slings and arrows in order to do what he did to become the first African-American to play baseball, and Martin Luther King as well. Throughout all of this just horrific stuff that was swirling around them, the violence, the hatred, the resentment, and all the rest of it, he just seemed to be able to... Uh, to rise above it, I guess that's the 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 way I would put it, and and he did seem to be able to do that. I, I always I I can't remember him being angry. I mean, I'm sure he was, yeah. but go ahead, go ahead, please. That's what makes him such an interesting, complex character. Really, I mean, two two points of his life describe that best, in my opinion. And that's the first one that that Lynn talked about was in 1969 when he lost that race um, against incumbent. Uh, Sam Yorty. The very next day, the very next day, he didn't sit around and pout. The very next day, he got up from his chair and decided, I want to be mayor again. The next time to run is 73. So what he did was he went out to every neighborhood that he could throughout the, the, the region. And he, um, and he made sure that he met as many people as he possibly could. Yeah. You know, and that's what he did. He he met with organizations, with community groups, with schools, parent groups. I mean, whatever you can think of, that's what he did. He did not want people to feel scared of him. They, he wanted people to make sure that he knew what his platform was and what his goals, you know, for the future of L.A. was. Yeah. You know, he was very progressive at the time, and this kind of hit home to many people. So once they got to know him physically shake his hand and talk to him. I think people kind of were a little bit relieved of their fears. But the second part of his life that kind of speaks to that, too, is 1982, when apparently, and Lorraine Bradley actually talks a lot about this, not in the film, but in personal conversations with Lynn and I, is that when he lost um, the race for California governor against Attorney General uh, uh, Duke Majan yeah. in 1982, the very next day, he got up from his chair 
he walked out and said, I'm just going to continue forward with being mayor, and that's what he did. Yeah. I mean, he shook things off. He was relentless and um, and determined just to, con- to continue to be the best leader that he could be. Yeah. Well, amen. Amen to that. It, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed um, Bridging the Divide, Tom Bradley, and the Politics of Race. And, you know, again, this is all part of a process. You know, as, you, as we said at the very beginning, it was 35 years before Barack Obama uh, became president of the United States. Certainly, one of the most the highlights of my patriotic life uh, was watching that happen. And you know, Tom Bradley certainly had a big part in that. This is all part of a process. He, he's uh, he 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 was a, such a decent man and a, a great leader, and just a, a seemed like a a wonderful person as well. So, I'm so glad that uh, Tom is beginning to get Tom Bradley starting to get some of the recognition that he. He deserves, and this is certainly a great tribute to him. Wow. Thank you both, Lynn Goldfarb and and Allison Sotomayor. Thank you so much for being here on Film School. I look forward to to your future work, and certainly I hope this is, I'm sure it's going to be well-received. Obviously, the first... The first screening sold out, and I, I suspect the second one will as well. Um, a lot of people in Los Angeles remember him very, very well, and I'm sure the L.A. Film Festival is a good place for him to for this film to be uh, debuting. So, yeah, Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lynn, and thank you, Allison. Um, uh, thank you so much for being on Film School. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.